Hey, Heartbreakers, welcome back to another Breakdown bonus episode. I have two special guests for this episode. We're going to start off with my best friend from college, Virginia, but at the end of the episode, you'll also get to hear from a self-love coach who has a background as a psychotherapist, and we're going to be unpacking how to not find your identity in what you do, but who you are. You can check out those timestamps in the episode description. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. This is so fun. We've had such a fun weekend. Oh, yeah. We've been here celebrating the Jags, our new favorite NFL. team. I love that team. We love Mm -hmm. the players. Yes. Go Trevor Lawrence. All of them. All of them. The teal. Honestly, I really liked the leopard print that was giving. It's very Florida. Yeah. Like it's just camp enough. Yes. (laughs) Classic. Well, anyway, we're going to be here talking about not putting our identity in our organizations and our job because as two high achieving women, sometimes we can do that, but also spill a little sorority tea. Mm -hmm. But we honestly like, I feel like our chapter was pretty well made. Yes, we were. I feel like you only had dismissed one person. Yes. I only recommended one person. And that was my sophomore year roommate. (laughs) So I did get a room to myself for about three months until the bunny moved in. (laughs) I like a literal bunny moved into my room. Fun roommate. Story for another day. What did she do? She just posted Um, herself doing illegal drugs. Yes. And her story. So like literally breaking the law was the the one thing it took. Yeah. I was like, I read that one. I went, yeah, that one's probably not good. Yeah. (laughs) Let's have a meeting. But then I got an extra set of drawers. I think we have so many positive things to say, even though there's trippy things to be in a sorority. We were part of an organization that I felt really benefited us. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case, not just specifically talking about Greek life, because in life you're going to join organizations or a job that maybe doesn't serve you, whether it's your particular major or like a club that you're in or your job. Sometimes we get into them for the wrong reasons. So I know for you, Virginia is a super smart badass in dental school, but you almost didn't go to dental school. I was pre-med all of college. And I think only because I told myself that that's probably something I should do. Like I should be a doctor. I should really do that. I'm a smart girl. I should I should be a doctor. So I really tried to pigeonhole myself into this career that really wasn't going to serve me. And I worked really hard at it. Oh, I did every experience I could. I I studied all the time, was constantly studying, put myself on this track and was like, this is what you have to do. It taught me that that really wasn't the career for me just because like, it's not my personality. It's not who I am at my core. And I think that was a really, really hard pill, very, very difficult pill to swallow because I told myself for so long and worked so, so hard at something. And just finally realizing that maybe this isn't the life for me. I always tell this story, but like literally at the last time I was taking the MCAT, the building was under construction and they failed to tell us that. It's a seven hour exam and you can't leave the room. So we all get there and we're like, hmm, there's a loud noise. And the second I hit play and start the exam, this construction man that I can see through the window, like we were making eye contact. He has a jackhammer and he's like jackhammering outside something. And I was just like, wow, this won't be the whole exam. Oh yeah. No, it was the entire, entire exam. And I think that was just like a little sign from up above that like maybe I shouldn't go into medicine. And like, maybe this really isn't the life for me just because I couldn't focus. And it was just so, of course, at the time I was so mad, but like looking back on it, I am so grateful for that jackhammer because that really was not the career choice for me. I really do align more with dentistry. It's just more of my personality and the people in it are so great. And it's just definitely more for me. And it's not too far off in medicine. I mean, I'm learning exactly almost the same thing that you would learn in medical school, but it's just very isolated to the uh, top of your body. Well, how rude of them to schedule an exam when it's under construction. Ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. Oh, I was, I've never been like one to get angry, but I'm like standing there in like the waiting room, like seething. Like I'm just like boiling just because you work so, so hard. You study so much. I spent so much time and then I get to this exam and there's a jackhammer. But I think that jackhammer was my sign from God that this is not the life for me. And I thank him every day. Thank God that building was under construction. <laughs> God was really trying to jackhammer that into your mind. Mm-hmm. She's not. <laughs> yeah. No, it, med school. It took something that dramatic to do it. Like I really, I was still going to go for it. Why did you want to go into the medical 
school field so bad? Like, what was it about that that you were like, oh, I think this would be right for me? Yeah. Growing up, I actually always wanted to be a dentist, but I also just kind of what, like, I thought I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going into UF, UF's very competitive, so everyone wants to go to medical school when the, the second you get into that school, especially if you're interested in science and all this. I liked how many options I would have if I did go into medicine, because there are, like, so many different residencies you can do, so many different avenues you can take. So I really was attracted to that. Quickly realized that that wasn't the case. It's just not for me. That's just going to be a little baddie dentist yeah. doing mm, something. teeth work. <laughs> teeth work. <laughs> it's great that that was redirection for you because mm-hmm. now you're where you're supposed to be. Absolutely. But do you sometimes feel like your colleagues are maybe doing what you were doing with the med school program, being mm-hmm. a dentist for the sake of thinking this was right for you, but it's not? Yes, there's definitely, I have witnessed some people kind of struggling just with that because you do work so hard and now you're in it and now you're here and you're like, wait, I don't love this. Dentistry is very specific. You have to be able to handle a lot of people's teeth and it's just people realize that maybe this isn't the career for them, but there are a lot of options in dentistry too. So I think, I don't know, they'll find something. Yeah. <laughs> it really makes you uncover the why of why you do things right. when you're in the thick of it. And that goes for any job. Mm-hmm. So I can relate to this because I think a lot of people think they want to work in the public eye or like be TikTok famous or whatever, right. and then get into it or, you know, you go viral or something, or maybe you do catch a following and you realize the nitty gritty of what it means to do this as a job, whatever it is, actually really sucks. Yes. And sometimes I think we can get lost in choosing things that we think will make other people think really highly of us. Right. That doesn't serve us at yeah. the end of the day. It's like an identity thing. Mm-hmm. You witness a lot that a lot in like the interview process for whatever school you're going to. Just the amount of people that you like run into who will be like, oh, I just did this to like beef up my resume. I just did this to look impressive, blah, blah, blah. And I really was not a fan of that because I was so, so focused on just doing things that gave me joy, that brought me fulfillment. And I didn't have a very long resume just because I really emphasized quality over quantity. I think that really came across to the people who interviewed me just because they could tell that like I would get excited about talking about, you know, my rats or stuff like that. They could tell. And I think that really made a big difference. And that's kind of just my advice to anybody. Like when it comes to finding your passions, just focus on really putting intention into what you do and not just doing it because it looks impressive or it's probably what you should be doing. (laughs) Yeah, Virginia used to shoot up rats with cocaine (laughs) and she loved it. Oh my gosh, they were so sweet. My sweet, sweet rats. What was it about shooting up rats with cocaine that you really found fulfilling? (laughs) No, it's just like the research realm I was really interested in. The project specifically looked at attenuating cocaine seeking behavior. So what we would do is we would give rats an injection of cocaine. Not They would not snort it. It was, it was an injection. Um, it was like Wolf of Wall Street down at Chance. Yeah. <laughs> Virginia would give them little rat-sized dollar Oh, yeah. Pills. We would get it from the Department of... The Department of Cocaine? No, and it was like the... Drugs. What was it? For, I'm just picturing you doing like a drug deal out back being like, I need this for my rats. No, yeah. I, <laughs> comes I in a little we Ziploc got, we got it from a reputable source, I promise. We were funded to do this, okay? Yeah, Jordan Belfort. Yeah. But no, it was really, really a great experience. I learned a lot about research and how important so many things are. And it was it was cool, but I really, I love my rats until I had to chop their heads off. Oh, no. Did you have to decapitate them? Yeah. You we, had to do that? We looked at their brains. Yeah. So someone else wouldn't, do, oh my gosh. I know, it was really sad <laughs> now that I think about it. these little animals. I know. Some serial killer yeah. stuff. Oh, right no, there. no, no, no. It was for the benefit, betterment of society. They were a little gift. <laughs> us. No, it was really, it was really valuable. I did enjoy my time, but that's really the only thing I, I did outside of, you know, school and studying Yeah, was I basically just did research and then I was on J board, but that, that I really worked hard not to talk take, about, take too much time in my day. Oh yeah. You were like, mm, this person threw up in the elevator. We can X that we out. We can X that out. We can um, overlook that. But no, but I think that really came across when I was actually interviewing just how passionate I was about the things that I did. And it showed that I actually cared. <laughs> Very important. Personal fulfillment is one of those things that you don't really know how to accomplish because it's like, 
like we're making these huge decisions at such a young age when we don't really know what like our priorities at 25 are going to be like. Right. So I think it was Duffy that posted this. Our friend Duffy from college posted on Twitter. It's like weird that our five-year-old selves have created this plan that we think is going to make us happy, but they have no idea what it means to be a 25-year-old and the things that are going to matter to us then. And sometimes I feel like we kind of hang on to those ideals as we go into college. Cause it's like, I've always wanted to go into the medical field and I just think that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Or right. I think this is what it'll look like. You know, you watch one too many episodes of Grey's Anatomy and you're like, this is amazing. This is easy. I can this do this. Great. It's funny because I feel like I had the opposite thing. Like I watched two seasons of Grey's Anatomy and I was like, I never want to step into another hospital ever again. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had. How to not put your identity in your career because it's very easy to do that. It's very easy. it's like the first thing people ask you on a date. Oh, yeah. this is what I want to talk about. <laughs> I just matched with this guy on Hinge and I specifically didn't put my job. I put like media or something okay. in my yeah. job description because I was Vague. sick of I like it. I was sick of guys Googling me and finding because there's a lot of me on the internet. You can find my podcast. You can find YouTube videos. Wow. And I just don't like that. Be- you can find my TikTok. I don't want them to meet me before I get the chance to meet them. It's very oh. unfair to me. I'm not like embarrassed by it. To me, it just like changes the dynamic. Absolutely. And so this guy would not stop asking me about what I did and what my job was. And I was like, why does it matter so much? You don't mm-hmm. have your job listed. And that was like my one hang up with him. I was like, you're cute, but are you employed? (laughs) I need to know. And we, I mean, like I'm guilty of this too. Like someone tells you what they do and you immediately like make a judgment about them. Oh, absolutely. And so maybe it's a hard truth that like a lot of your identity just just come from your career because it's like a natural thing to do. But how, but that's fine for other people. But how do we learn to not place our identity in the thing that we do? I'm here with Shivana Nicole, self-love and stress management coach, but she also has a background in the mental health field, worked as a psychotherapist for more than a decade. And she's here to help continue the conversation about, you know, not putting your identity in your job or an organization that you're a part of. Shivana, thank you so much for being with me here today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Let's just kick things off right off the bat. This week, we're talking about when is it the right time to leave something that I'm a part of, whether it's a job or a club. I think sometimes I'm really guilty of this. If I'm having a couple of months at work where I'm just like, I feel like this is not the right place. And I just don't know if this is what I'm supposed to be doing. How do you know that you're in a workplace or group environment that's toxic as opposed to just general work stuff that just sucks? Every job comes with its stressors and times, you know, sometimes might be a little more difficult than others. However, if you're noticing more signs of chronic stress. You're having difficulty sleeping. You're having difficulty concentrating. You're noticing some other signs of not being able to focus, not wanting to perform at work. You know, you're having way too many days where you're like, I do not want to go in there. Those are all indicators that something is off, something is wrong, and that something needs to be shifted. Obviously, common signs that the workplace is toxic is, you know, if you're not being respected, you're not being heard, valued, honored in some type of way, being flat out verbally attacked at work. Those are some signs to look for. I know it's so hard to build up the courage to actually make the move. One, because assuming you're going to your job every day because you need a paycheck, it's hard to sacrifice that and maybe do something scary. I also know a lot of me and my friends, I think we put a lot of ourselves and our identity in what we do. And sometimes it's like when you're quitting your job, sometimes it can feel like you're quitting a part of yourself. Do you have any tips for separating your identity 
identity from what you do for a living? One thing I'm a firm believer of is that your happiness and joy is wrapped up in your passion, which is a part of your identity. And so one of the things that fuels a lot of people that have found their niche is that the job should be giving you life instead of sucking the life out of you. Being able to determine how does this job fit into who you are? And so, you know, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, you have to be a completely different person at work. You can't be authentic. It's finally not a miserable temperature outside, which only means one thing. Summer is coming up. And let's make one thing clear. There is Hibernation Abbey and there is Summer Abbey. And Summer Abbey likes to feel light and healthy. That's why I've been trying out meals from Factor. They've got meals shipped to your house that are super easy to heat up in a jiffy. And you're probably like, ew, a refrigerated meal that must be so unhealthy and gross. No, I can confirm these are delicious and they have so many different options like calorie smart, keto, protein plus, or vegan and veggie. You can also add on more than 60 add-ons every single week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. You get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with Factor's ready-to-eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring and you don't have to clean anything up. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. If you're like me and the second you get home from work, you are ravenous. You are going to love these new meals I've been trying out from Factor. Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals that you can make in two minutes with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. It's so convenient. I have like grocery store ADHD. Anytime I go to like Publix or something, I'm buying everything. And then I come home with no meals. Whereas Factor, it's all the meal prep done for you. You've got 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. If you want to get started today and have a feel good week of meals ready to go, head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50 off. Eating better is just one of the things that makes me feel better. And you know what also makes me feel better? Not having to clean up my kitchen when I just want to eat. This living alone thing is great until you realize you're responsible for all the cooking and cleaning around the apartment. And something that's been really helpful for me around mealtime is Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You've got over 35 different options to choose from each week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Each meal takes about two minutes to heat up, and there are so many yummy options like pancakes, smoothies, and more. Also, you know I love an afternoon snack, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is also super flexible, so if you want to pause and skip for a couple of weeks, you can totally do that. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off.
And obviously everyone goes through their phase where they need a job for a paycheck. So, and that does have its seasons, you know, where maybe you're sacrificing, this isn't what you really want to do. I think even in that space, being able to determine, is this worth the consequences, the effects of that, you know, which for some people could mean like physical ailments at some point. I'm not a huge fan of having that huge separation because when you have that huge separation of, well, this is who I am at work and this is who I am outside of work, it can start to cause internal conflict. That in itself is a recipe for disaster. Do I think that you should have boundaries? Yes. There's some things that you do at work and then there's some things that, you know, you have your role at home and you should have clear boundaries. Maybe I don't take meetings, you know, or take phone calls when I'm having dinner with my family. I turn off my emails. There should absolutely be some firm boundaries because every healthy relationship has boundaries, including work. It shouldn't be everything spilling off into everything else. Yeah. Having a job can sometimes feel like a relationship. And that's really where we were coming from. The topics of conversation we've been having this week on the podcast is that you have a relationship with everything. When you're spending eight hours a day, sometimes more time with your job and the people around you at your job, that's usually more time than the person that you're like sharing your life with. You know, you come home, you see them for a couple hours. I can imagine if somebody has finally built up the courage to leave their position and their role. I know a lot of my friends who went to med school all their life, they thought they would be a doctor and then they get to med school and they're like, this isn't really what I want, but this is always what I pictured what mm-hmm. I would be. Speaking from experience, I don't know if you've ever had any clients who have, who have gone through this, but how do you not have like an identity crisis once you decide to really like make a big career pivot? Paying attention to the signs and being bold enough to quit is one, I think it should be celebrated. If you feel like you're moving in a direction that's more authentic to who you are, that is something you're more passionate about, something that you, you're wanting to invest your time and energy in, a lot of the times we don't celebrate because out of fear and out of anxiety, the unknown, you know, letting go of an image. So it's still a loss. But I think that one of the things that can help you and help your brain to kind of process the shift and the change that's happening is to celebrate it. Your brain is just used to doing what it's been doing and it wants to keep you comfortable. So yeah, there's going to be some reservations. In celebrating that, you're reinforcing your why, right? Like it's a good thing for me to move in a direction that's closer to my purpose. It's a good thing that I'm taking care of my body and letting go of something that was so stressful for me. And that was a huge internal conflict. So I think that by taking the initial, the very first step is celebrating the step, the change. And so that lets the brain know like, wait, what? this isn't terrifying. This isn't a bad thing. Sending messages to the brain that this is a good thing. And then remembering your why, remembering what you're letting go of and what you are moving towards revisit that every day. This is what I've always dreamed of. This isn't just the job that makes sense or the job that my family wanted me to have or whatever your reasons are. This is my why. The more that you can do to reinforce your decision and to respect your decision, I think mentally the better off you'll be and not constantly saying, well, who am I not? Who am I now? And what does this mean? Um, I'm a huge component of anytime you do something completely different than what your brain is used to, you know, just like a 
child when they accomplish something really great, right? We celebrate and clap and say, yeah, you did it. Like we need to do the same thing for ourselves because we need that reinforcement so that the brain isn't, oh my gosh, what have I done? I should have not taken this leap. And I think that's so great. I mean, I don't think we celebrate enough of the little wins, even when it seems like a failure. I mean, even if you had gotten let go from a job, I can imagine that would hurt. Like if it wasn't your choice, it almost feels like it's a personal failure on your part. And I think having people around you that support you could really be helpful. I know so many people who are just, they're in professions because it's what their family wanted. Can you talk a little bit about how to set those boundaries and handle a really challenging family or friend dynamic if it's, you know, an organization? One of the things to do is, again, boundaries. Every healthy relationship has boundaries. So that's whether it's parent, child, sibling, employer, employee, teacher, student. If you feel like people around you, especially the ones closest to us, like friends and family, they have a way of saying things or reminding you of things or making you feel guilty. But it's perfectly healthy to set a boundary around that. Please respect my decision. This conversation is no longer on the table. That can be very challenging to do, especially when you have parents or like it's a family business or the family expectation. And so if they're not going to respect your boundaries, and this just goes along with boundaries and relationships in general, you can't make people do things, but you can enforce your own boundaries. So if they're not going to follow it, it may be time for you to kind of step back and remove yourself for a while. You know, if the comments are making you feel good, if there's guilt and shame around your decision, right? Obviously that's not supportive. So you have to do what you need to do to respect the decision that you made in that space. And then really, again, making sure that your decision is in alignment with what you want, right? And not what seems like the next logical step or what society says, you know, where you should be, not where your family says you should be. What do I want? And where did this come from? So that you're confident in your choice and that you can stand by it. You know, when you're in a job or if you're involved in something that really seems to be consuming every part of of your life and who you are, I know sometimes, and I'm totally guilty of this, like sometimes you don't really have much else in your life. Like you've got some friends, but you don't really have any hobbies or things that you're passionate about. How can someone who's maybe starting from ground zero start to identify the things that really make them happy when they've been stuck in the same routine of doing what they feel like they should be doing rather than what they actually want to be doing? A really good method that I always encourage my clients is to meditate. In meditation, right, like you can quiet your conscious mind, which is always aware of external influences. But when you meditate, you're able to connect with your inner self, your subconscious, your spirit, so to speak. Reconnect to that. Now, meditation is not easy for everyone. For those that are like, wait, meditation does not work for me. I can't do it for very long. But make a list. Kind of go back to childhood. Like that's the closest time where we are truly authentic. So what did I like as a child, right? Like what were some of my interests? And go back and revisit those. I'm a huge advocate too for like dating yourself. Explore, explore your passions and start making a list and going through that. Hmm, What can I envision myself doing every day day that wouldn't feel like a chore? That wouldn't feel like I'm trying to be something that I'm not or that I'm trying to make someone else happy. You know, go back to that. Again, even if you have to go to memories, playing with dolls, but try to seek out some memories where you felt the most free and you had dreams and passions and, and go back to it and explore it. I love the concept of dating yourself. I know it kind of sounds a little cliche, but I can just picture yourself going out and, and taking yourself on a date. Do you have any specific date yourself challenges that you give your clients? So the first thing I have them do is like make a list, right? Like, oh, I used to enjoy singing, playing the piano, et cetera, et cetera. Then I'm like, you know, look for events in your area where you can like tap into that. So like whether you have to sign up for like 
meetup, maybe take a free course or exploratory course, or maybe have a day where you're just like, I'm just going to pick something new and out of the blue, find a group or something that you can join or you can test out and see how you like it, right? Like take note, was this interesting? Were you like, oh, I used to like that as a child, but no way, you know, no way now. Really just combing the area, combing events, searching online and put something on your calendar once a week or once every other week, or if you can't even do that once a month, go down your list and see what can I explore? What can I try? What can I venture? Where can I take an adventure to see if this is really me, if this is what I like and go for it. You know, if you don't like it, you don't like it, you cross it off the list. Yeah. I'm just picturing myself walking around like a farmer's market alone. Okay. Self, like taking you out today, like treating you, like, let's find out what we really love. Maybe it's fresh produce. We'll figure it out. Or maybe it's, um, maybe it's painting or going to a fair, you know, working with so many people who are getting out of toxic situationships and relationships. What would you say as somebody who works with so many people and also has a background as a psychotherapist, why do you think people put so much weight in having a job as a part of their identity? We become programmed, programmed to make people happy. We're trying to make our teachers happy. We're trying to make our parents happy. And a lot of that is obviously positive and negative reinforcement. You know, if you don't get this great, right? You're not going to get that. If you don't do this, we become at such an early age, as young as five, we become conditioned to go in certain directions. And so the more we hear that and the more that we have people giving us their opinions and ideas, especially such a young and impressionable age, that pruning stage of the brain is still happening. So we're like, okay, throw that away, keep that, put that over here. On a subconscious level, we are kind of thrown away. If we don't have an environment where our parents or whomever is like fostering that, like, oh, you're really good at that. Let's put some more energy into that or asking you or checking in with you. Hey, do you like this? Are you just doing it? You know, if you're not in that type of environment, it becomes really easy to get accustomed and to get conditioned to go with the flow, do what's easiest or to make other people happy. It comes up as an adult, you have to pay attention to the signs. Like what are the signs? It can be physical ailments. It could just be mental, you know, like depression or anxiety, all the signs that are saying I'm not in alignment with my soul. I'm not in alignment with that anymore. And then taking the steps to to get back to that, you know, it's not uncommon to like lose yourself, you know, lose yourself at work. It's easier to kind of go with the flow. It's a little, and sometimes that inner voice becomes so small after relationship jobs and children and marriages and blah, 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 you name it. Trauma, that inner voice becomes so, so small and it becomes very challenging to, to listen to it and know what's your voice versus everyone else's voice. You've talked so much about the benefits of meditation. And I know for someone like if you've never really tried it before, it can be kind of intimidating to like sit alone with your thoughts. And where do I even begin? Do you have any tips for people who might want to start getting into it? Grounding exercises, which is being present in the moment takes you out of your brain. Even if it's just deep breathing, you're sending messages to the body to relax, to slow down, taking long, deep breaths, holding it in for three to five to seven seconds, exhaling, maybe doing that five times, maybe even just finding objects in the room. Anytime you can tap into your senses, you tap out of your brain. So grounding techniques are a really good way to get started with it because if you're focusing on what's present, you're not thinking about passive. You're in the moment. You know, you want to try, maybe try guided meditation is a really slow process. And so, and it just takes practice. So if someone's listening and, you know, they recognize, okay, I'm losing sleep over this job and I'm going to start meditating and try 
try and figure out if this is the right move for me to finally leave. Do you have any tips for leaving a workplace or an organization on good terms? You know, even if it was a toxic environment, how do you get out and still don't leave a bad taste in their mouth? The more that you can honor yourself and feel good about your decision, the smoother it will go. So, you know, it's not like, hey, this place is crappy. I'm out of here. I can't take this anymore. Think about what you want to to do next and then being able to leave and saying this wasn't the best fit for me and not even that you have to give your job all the information but just saying you know me finding something that's more in alignment with my next steps with me with my purpose being able to again and knowing your why and feeling confident about your why right it's not it's just like this place served its purpose for the time frame and now I'm on to my next chapter and you can feel good and when you feel good you can project that other people can feel that you can exude that not you know if they're again abusive or toxic they may not be able to receive that but that's their problem not yours so it's their journey to fix that but once you feel confident in that and not just oh I'm out of here I'm going to get another job to serve its purpose because then I think that that could lead to leaving in a toxic way and it not being the most positive experience right I'm not going to say anything negative about you because it's not about you it's about me and what's good for me you've shared so much that I I know my audience is going to find incredibly helpful to whatever journey or path that they're on, whether it's, you know, being a part of something or a job. So I really appreciate you taking out the time to um, lend us some insight. Do you have any final words or um, advice that you would give to someone who's maybe considering leaving something they're a part of? Take note and respect how you're feeling. Listen to your body, listen to your mind and feel good about it and trust that. So I would say listen to that voice. That's where your true joy is and and celebrate it to give you a a good boost, a good head start and and celebrate that voice. Thanks so much for tuning in to another Breakdown bonus episode. Don't forget, you can catch us on socials at Breakup Breakdown Podcast on Instagram and I'll see you on Tuesday for our next main episode.